Christmas. And that's one of the things that during the season of Christmas, of Advent, that we remember and we come back to why we have hope. Why we have a reason to get up in the morning, a reason to live, a reason to uh, not give up and keep on going. You know, for many people, this season is one of the most difficult times. It's dreaded and hated by many because during this Christmas season, the holiday season, there is a magnification of broken family relationships, estranged family relationships. There is a remembrance of the loss of loved ones that many of us had where once we enjoyed a sweet time of Christmas with them and they they died and they're no longer present with us. And so for many, it's a painful time being reminded of of the loss that they've experienced, the painful experiences that they have. And, and, and many for many, for those who are struggling just to get by in this life, it, it's it's difficult because they see others enjoying plenty and, and, and enjoying family and enjoying good things in life and then and maybe they don't have that and and so it's it but for those of us who have Jesus this season is a great season to rejoice this season is a great season to let our focus be put on Christ and be reminded of some core truths of our faith there are a lot of a lot of temptations and dangers to get sucked into during this season. There is a current, a very strong current of materialism that we can get drawn into during this season. So instead of generosity, which is the spirit of Christmas and Advent, Jesus came, he, he who was rich became poor, that we might become rich. He, he, he left his riches. He left heaven and he came to us to rescue us. And that's the spirit of this season. And, and, and there's this current within the world to get sucked in to materialism and loving the gifts rather than the giver. There's a current to get of, of being sucked into apathy. And, and, and comfort and just spiritual apathy. So enjoying the good gifts of food and family and leisure and just take it easy, enjoy some entertainment. And many are being sucked into spiritual apathy during this season. But I'm, I'm not one of those who would throw the baby out with the bathwater concerning the Christmas season. Uh, I have had friends who love the Lord. And, and they have, they've punted on celebrating Christmas because they've seen the secularization of Christmas. They've seen, they feel like the holiday has been hijacked or, or even just has pagan roots. It's, it's, it's given to paganism or given to materialism or to secularism. And so they've just said, we're not even going to celebrate all this. We're not going to go into debt trying to get gifts. We're not going to busy ourselves and get sucked into the rat race of trying to do all these things during this Christmas season. And I understand where they're coming from. I understand some of the pushback that they have. But for me and, and for our church here, uh, if, if you don't celebrate Christmas, that's fine. If you don't celebrate Advent, that's fine. But, but one of the things that I've found during this season is that this is a great time to be reminded and renewed in basic truths of our faith. Uh, yesterday, Micah Pelfrey and I ran a, 
a half marathon. So 13.1, 13.1 miles, right? And so I was all pumped up and I had, you know, I've ran 9.3 miles before I've ran around White Rock a few times and I thought, I got this, got this. I'm going to get under two hours, so hour 45. Little did I know that there were hills to climb, dirt hills. This was a, a trail run and there were some hills to run. And that's a game changer when you're trying to run. That's just a game changer. I mean, you just slow down and I was tempted to stop and, and just walk for some of the time and praise God I didn't. I just kept on pressing through as I preached about a few weeks ago, pressing on, right? I pressed on and actually I was even reminded in my mind, like I was thinking, well, you know, th- yeah, there's a lot of, there's some scripture about running the race, but there's also a lot of scripture about walking the walk. You know, and I was like, I, I was justified in my mind, just struggling with some justification. It's okay to just walk the rest of this, right? Uh, but thankfully, I pressed through and, and had a great run. But during uh, that the run, periodically, and probably not as frequent as needed, uh, there were water stations, and then they had these little chews called their, their electrolytes. And I praise God that there were some of those available. I didn't bring any water with me. I was expecting there to be some water on the run somewhere, somebody who would help me out and grab that water while I'm running, and, you know. And, and there was this thing of chews. They were like yummy gummy bears that have electrolytes and nutrients that you need. And they were they were a game changer for me to finish the race. I got energy, more energy to keep on going and running the race and, and get renewed and revived and strengthened to keep on, to not give up, to not walk the rest of it, but to finish strong as, as best as I could. And the Advent season to me is kind of like one of those recharge stations there where this is a time for me to, to in my family to reset and reorient my our hearts and affections on Jesus and who he is and why he came. He came to rescue us. He came to save us. He came to redeem us that we might be with him forever. There are glorious truths for us to celebrate during this season. That, that Christ, the, the, the God, uh, eternal Son of God stepped down into human history, into the darkness and the brokenness of our world to rescue us, to redeem us. And I want to exhort you during this season to make this a meaningful season, whether you celebrate Advent, Christmas or not, let the, the thrust of uh, generosity carry you during this season. People who aren't normally generous tend to be a little more generous during this time of year. Let's join in with that. That's a good thing. Let this be a family time. Have meaningful family time with your family and focus on loving and and cherishing the gift of family that you do have. That's a good thing. That's a good gift from God. And then let this be a worshipful time. Like those who came to worship when Christ was born and they came bearing gifts. It's appropriate for us to respond to the message of Christmas with worship and adoration of our great God who loves us with an everlasting love. Who's drawn us with his loving kindness. And let this be a time that you and I speak to others about the hope of the Messiah. About about the, the very reason of this season, the reason we celebrate that, that Christ was born, that he came as a light into this dark world. So let, let those things make your 
your Christmas season, your Advent season, meaningful, worshipful, and evangelistic. So this morning we're going to open up, uh, we're going to start a new series on uh, Advent series. We're going to put our focus on Jesus over this next three or four weeks. And we are going to magnify Jesus. We're going to put the spotlight on Jesus. Uh, we're going to get a glimpse of who he is. Today we're looking at Isaiah 9, I, uh, but it's it's one of the best passages of scripture to start with in an Advent series. Isaiah was a major prophet who had some major prophecies about the hope of the Messiah who would come. The the great prophecy of Isaiah 53, the suffering servant, gives details about his suffering for us. Isaiah 7, 14, you know, the virgin shall conceive and uh, give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. It's a great Christmas verse. And then we have this one in Isaiah 9, 6 that we read, for unto us a, a child is born, unto us... A son is given. The, the title of my message today is A Light Has Dawned. And you can see that in the text there in verse 2. We're going to start there. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn to Isaiah 9-2. Isaiah 9-2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwell in the, in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, and they are glad when they divide the spoil for the yoke of his burden and the and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor. You have broken as on the day of Midian for every boot on the tra- of the trampling warrior of in battle t- tumult. And every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for fire. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And all God's people said, Amen. So this is where we're going this morning. That the, the coming of Jesus was foretold in fulfilled prophecy. He came as the light of the world and will reign eternally as the Prince of Peace. The prophet Isaiah uh, had some, some heavy words for the people of God, for Israel. Uh, like, like many of the other prophets, Isaiah had an indictment. He had indictments on his people from God. He had a message from God. And, and usually what the prophets would speak to are issues of idolatry, where the people of God were um, they had forsaken God and been unfaithful to God. And so he would speak to issues of idolatry. The prophets would speak to issues of immorality and injustice, where the poor were being oppressed, where injustice was was abounding amongst the people. And they would proclaim judgments. 
They would say stuff like, God's going to punish you for this, for, for forsaking him and for oppressing the poor and for, for giving yourself to immorality. And, and Isaiah has some of those judgments. But within the prophets, there aren't only messages of judgment, but there's messages of hope. That, that though judgment is coming because of your sin, Israel, there is hope. They're real about the darkness that that the people of God found themselves in, not only around them in their circumstances, but within them in their own hearts. This passage says that those who sat in darkness, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness on them, light has shone. It was dark in Isaiah's day. Isaiah warned them that coming judgment was upon them from the Assyrian people. So the Israelites were taken captive uh, by the Assyrians. They were invaded and taken captive by the Assyrians. Uh, we also see that with the Babylonians. Uh, they were taken, they were invaded and taken captive uh, by the Babylonians. And then in Jesus's day, they were under the Roman rule. They were o- under Roman oppression. And so throughout their history, even before uh, the Syrians and the Babylonians, there were the Egyptians. They were slaves in Egypt. And so, so the people of God, the Israelites, had seen much distress and darkness and pain and suffering throughout their history. And there was this cycle that would happen throughout the history of Israel. They would forsake God. They would turn their backs on God and God would send judgment. He would punish them and then they would be humbled and they would go back to God in repentance and cry out to God, have mercy on us, forgive us. And God would have pity on them. And God would raise up leaders. He would rescue them. He would deliver them. And, and Isaiah speaks about one who's coming who would, who would bring the ultimate deliverance. One that, 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 that we all put our hope in, the Lord Jesus Christ. He speaks about this light coming into the darkness. Matthew quotes this verse in Matthew 4.16. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And Jesus, and that's right before Jesus shows up on the scene to begin preaching and start his public ministry saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so it's obvious that in that day, it was a dark world. In the day of Christ, when he was born in the first century, it was a dark world. There was Roman oppression. Babies were killed. All around the birth of Christ, lots of babies were killed during that time. There was lots of injustice, lots of darkness. And the day that we live in is very dark itself. Can you imagine what it must have felt like for the Israelites to live under the shadow of uh, an upcoming invasion from another country that was more powerful than them? Can you just, just think about... The fear that captured the hearts of so many Israelites as they heard prophecies from, from folks like Isaiah that this judgment's coming. This is gonna happen. It's gonna happen. You guys have forsaken me, the Lord, and, and judgment's coming. Um, you know, just this week, just reading the news, I, I, I saw that, um, Ukraine, uh, declared martial law around the, 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 the edges of, of the, the country, uh, that border Russia, you know, a few years ago, Russia took over some of their, their, their land. 
and there's they they seized some some military ships this week, and uh, there's a threat that they may do something again, right? Can you imagine how Ukraine feels just in light of like what if what are they going to do? Are they going to try to come take over the country? The Israelites lived under the shadow of this coming judgment, this invasion that was from the Assyrians. And God said he was going to punish. Even though he was using the Assyrians as an instrument of judgment, he said he would punish them like in, in return. He, he would he would get get vengeance. And so the message of Christmas comes comes in with the with the dark with the contrast of a dark and a broken world the dark and broken world in which we live in today and even during this season the season that we celebrate it around December this is literally the darkest time of the year right in in the month of December we experience less daylight during this time of the year and depression and discouragement seems to be heightened for various reasons during this time of year. And so it's beautiful that in the darkest time, the light breaks in and shines brightly. Uh, J.I. Packer said this, that the, the Christmas message is that there is hope for ruined humanity, hope for pardon, hope for peace with God. Hope of glory, because at the Father's will, Jesus Christ became poor and was born in a stable so that 30 years later, he might hang on a cross. Jesus is the light who shone in the darkness. He stepped down, and we sang that this morning. Light of the world, you stepped down into darkness. You opened my eyes that I might see. John, and the gospel of John proclaims this. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything that was made. That was made, and in Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is that light of the world. Uh, John chapter 1 verse 9, it says, the true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world, and he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Jesus, in John 8, 12, says this about himself. He said, he spoke saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I love about this season that there are lights and candles that during the darkness of this this season that there are lights that are so beautiful. My family and I went to downtown Garland on Thursday night to for the great celebration that they had down there of the of the uh, the lighting of the Christmas tree. It's just is a beautiful time, beautiful celebration, and we as humans are attracted uh, to to lights, physically speaking. Like we we enjoy fireworks. <laughs> Colors, right? They had some down there uh, Thursday night. We enjoy watching them. Fireworks, stars. Any stargazers out here? You like to just sit when, whenever you get out of the city and you can actually see the stars? Anybody like to just, just look at them and, and wait for some some falling stars, some shooting stars to go by and just, just stand in awe of the Father of all lights, the one who created them all? Uh, anybody ever seen the Northern Lights? You've been up there to, to, and, and so we're, we're created to be people 
that are attracted to the light, people of the light. Jesus said he was the light of the world, but then he also told his disciples that you are the light of the world. So he's the ultimate source. And those of us who are Christians, we have that light within us, within us. And Jesus says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. Matthew 5, 16. And so we're to let our light shine. This is a great season to let our light shine with good works, doing good deeds, serving other people, being generous, sharing the light of the gospel with other people because today is a dark day in which we live. There are more human slaves right now in history than there's ever been. I don't know what that, when you hear that, I don't know if that moves you at all. But that is an injustice that must cease. There are wars and rumors of wars. There's sickness. There's violence. There's racism. There is so much brokenness and darkness in this world. And you and I are called to walk in the light, be people of the light, and let our light shine. That's what Jesus came to do. And so this Christmas season, as you decorate your tree and you decorate your house or you go and you enjoy the decorations that are around the city, be reminded that all those lights point to Jesus, who's the ultimate light of the world. So the second thing is here is that the light was foretold. Isaiah 9, 6, a familiar uh, Christmas verse. Um, it says, for us, a child is born to us. A son is given. Isaiah's prophesying. He sees something that, that goes far beyond his own day. He sees something coming. There's, there's a child coming. There's, there's a son coming. Uh, he says in verse, Isaiah 7 verse 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall, and shall call his name Emmanuel. So Isaiah gets this glimpse of this hope that's coming, this this Messiah who is coming, who will rescue. Uh, Matthew one twenty one says he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is he came to save us from our sins. And notice, notice that this this rescuer is coming as a child. You would think that if God is going to send a rescuer. That he would send a big, mighty king. Of course, he is mighty. Jesus is mighty. But he humbled himself and he became a babe. And he lived among us. He experienced the distress and the brokenness. He experienced what it feels like to be betrayed. If you've ever been betrayed by someone that you love. Jesus felt that the pain of that. If you, if you feel in, distressed about work... And it's just hard. Jesus, I'm sure, felt the distress of of work, of working hard with his hands. Okay? Jesus stepped into our human experience and grew up and he lived a life living under the shadow of the cross. He knew that one day he would have to suffer and bear our judgment that we deserve for our sins. And so he lived with that knowledge that that was coming. Christmas time is about gift giving. Or should I say rather, Christmas time is about the greatest gift that was ever given. 
For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. I enjoy gift giving during Christmas time, especially when I'm able to give a gift that somebody really appreciates and needs or wants. And it's like uh, last year I got my wife a gift that was just like spot on and it just made her so happy and it just felt so good. It's more blessed to give than receive, right? Uh, and I enjoy, I enjoy receiving gifts. I mean, it's, it's, it's humbling. It really is humbling. I mean, especially if it's a really nice gift, like, like an expensive gift, a gift that you couldn't afford and you get it from somebody. It, that's a humbling experience. I mean, you have to swallow your pride to receive a really special gift, don't you? Yeah. And so I love gift giving is a beautiful thing. I think, I think it's a, it's, it's great to participate in it. Just don't go into debt, uh, trying to express love, uh, to, <laughs> to people that you love. Like don't rack up your credit card and, uh, and then for the next six months be, you know, working to pay that off. That's not wise, you know. Enjoy gift giving. Give good gifts. Receive good gifts. God is the giver of all good gifts. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. And we celebrate that at Christmas time. We celebrate the ultimate gift. And so when you receive a good gift during the Christmas season, or you give a good gift to your children during the Christmas season, remember that God has given you the greatest gift. We all have to receive that. A gift has to be received. And like I said, many times you have to humble yourself to receive that gift. I have been humbled by the generosity of God's people uh, as, as we're, we've been inviting people to partner with us to, to get another space. God has graciously provided through His people $42,000 for us to find a place that's more our own, that would be more accessible to the community. Uh, and so I've been humbled by the generosity of God's people. I mean, it's just, I have, I have to swallow my pride to receive or even ask and invite people to partner with us in that. And it's, it's similar to when in, in coming to Christ, a person has to humble themselves and receive what, what Christ has done for them. Receive the gift of the Son of God. John 1.12 says to all who receive him, received him, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of flesh, but, or the will of man, but who were born of God. A gift must be received. Most of us here have received the gift of Jesus as our Savior. And I want to exhort you to enjoy the gift of Jesus, your Savior, during this season. Enjoy that gift that you've already received. Make much of him. Savor him during this season. Remember who he is and why he came. Remember that, that you are greatly loved by him. The prophets and the people of God longed for this day when the Messiah would come. They looked forward to that day. 
and they spoke about it. There's, there's a coming light. There's a coming Messiah. There's, there's a redeemer. There's a king who's going to come and he's going to deliver us from these oppressors who keep killing our families and taking our stuff and, and making us their slaves. When you're in a desperate place like that, a place of darkness, when you're in that place of darkness, there is a desperation, a desperate hope rescue in that moment. You know, one of the, in prison, one of the worst forms of uh, punishment is, um, uh, what's it called? Solitary confinement. Yeah. Where you are separated and isolated. And if you add no light to that room that you're, you're stuck in, you're, you're in something that's very close to hell. It's torment. It's terrible. And can you imagine how it feels when, when somebody opens the door and there's life? You're in there for weeks and somebody opens the door and there's light and they have some food for you or just somebody to talk to and to relate to. The people of God were, have been in desperate situations throughout history and they've longed for justice to come. They've longed for deliverance to come. And Jesus shows up at the right time. He came. He brought deliverance. And it looked different than many expected. He brought deliverance from sin. From the darkness within us. Okay? And he's coming back. And during this Advent season, we look back that Jesus has come. And prophecies have been fulfilled. God has done what he said he would do. He would send a redeemer. He would He would uh, advance his kingdom, his reign. He would establish it on the earth as it is in heaven. And that kingdom would just keep on spreading. And we look forward to the day when Jesus will return. And he will rescue his people from their sins. In verse 6, uh, we see that, that that light is named. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. When you're in distress, don't you need a good counselor? We have a couple of trained counselors here at, at City Church Garland. Jesus Christ is described as a, as a wonderful counselor here. That implies that he has the wise advice that you need to live your life well. And you would do well if you would seek wonderful counsel from him, the wonderful counselor. The wonderful speaks to the signs and the miracles that, that he would come and do. He would amaze people with healing the sick. Raising the dead. The light of the world. After Jesus said, I'm the light of the world in John 8, 12. He proved it by giving light to a blind man in John chapter 9. He healed this guy. He delivered this blind man so he could see light. And he showed, he revealed, he said, I'm the light of the world. But he wouldn't just talk. He healed this guy. He healed the lepers. He set those free who were demonically oppressed. He didn't just talk about the kingdom. He demonstrated the kingdom of God. He brought the very kingdom of God. And he is the wonderful counselor. Just Selah. Reflect on that this season. He's a wonderful counselor. Mighty God. 
He is deity. He is in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God in the flesh. This this verse speaks to the humanity, a child, a babe in, in a stable, in a manger, right? Speaks to the humanity and yet it speaks of the deity of Christ. The, the God man. The Son of God, everlasting Father. It speaks of His creative work, Him and the Father. Through Him, all things were made that were made, right? Prince of Peace. It speaks to the nature of His reign as He reigns as the one, the Prince of Peace. Peace will flourish. Human life will flourish like the sun. That gives light to the, to plants and, 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 and gives warmth and, and, and things flourish and we're able to see beauty and, and, and experience life. Jesus Christ is the source of all that. And so reflect on these, these titles given to Jesus. The light was named. So in that context, the light has come. The light has dawned. Here's Jesus. Here's the light right here, Isaiah says. And notice verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord will do this. The king has come and his kingdom is eternal and it will eternally expand. Jesus said in, in Matthew 4, when he started preaching, I'm, I'll read this, Matthew 4, starting in verse 12. Now when, when, when he had heard that John had been arrested, John the Baptist, he withdrew in the Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he went and he lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and of Naphtali. So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death, on them light has dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Here's the fulfillment of this. Jesus, the light of the world steps in his the, 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 the government, the reign of King Jesus comes and breaks in to human history and just expands like leaven and flourishes and people are delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. They're set free. Those who mourn are comforted. Those who are captives are set free. The blind have their eyes open. The lame walk. Those who mourn have joy. Those who have ashes get beauty. Those who have heaviness and depression get the garments of praise. Luke 4 quotes that Jesus quotes this when he begins his ministry, um, preaches in a synagogue at the beginning of his ministry. He, he, he says that. Isaiah 61, another prophecy fulfilled. Isaiah just is a heavy hitter when it comes to these prophecies. And Jesus quotes that and he says, this is, this is fulfilled in your hearing today. 
And so Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at, is at hand. That is one way that you and I can prepare room for him. Make room for him. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change your mind. Change your perspective. God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. A kingdom that will not be shaken. And you and I must get in line with the king and his command. So change your thinking. Change your perspective. His kingdom will last forever. If you're not satisfied with our current government, then put your hope in the government of Christ. It's an everlasting government. It's the only one that's going to be perfect. It's the only one that's going to be perfect. And that's why we pray and we long for the kingdom of God to come. Your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven and his kingdom will be marked by justice and righteousness and peace. That's what it's going to look like. Can you imagine what it's going to be like for you and I to live in a world of perfect love, of joy, peace, of righteousness? All things will be made new. There'll be no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more death, no more disease and sickness. We look for that. We long for that. And those will be marks of the kingdom of God, the everlasting kingdom of heaven. We will live there with Jesus, King Jesus, and worship him forevermore. The one who is worthy of all praise and honor and glory. But until then, we are in this dark and broken world. And it is our duty to pray that the kingdom come, that we proclaim the gospel so that the kingdom would come in people's hearts and lives. You know, when, 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 the, when the kingdom of God came, when Jesus brought the kingdom, the, many of the Jews were expecting something different. They were looking for a political leader. And a lot of folks are still looking for a political leader today who will be their, their Messiah, their Savior. But Jesus is more than that. He's one who came to reign in the hearts of his people through the Holy Spirit. And that's what the kingdom of God is. It's not a political system set up. It's the reign of God in the hearts of his people through the spirit of God. And that's why in the book of Acts, the kingdom just kept on spreading because it was it was a heart thing. It wasn't we're going to set up uh, we're going to set up Christian government and take over the world by force. No, it was the Holy Spirit changing hearts through the preaching of the gospel, through prayer, and through through Christians laying down their lives, not taking other lives. I was moved recently by the missionary, John Chow, who who sacrificially stepped out to reach this people group on a remote island and was killed. I was moved by that. I was inspired and challenged by his example. And I thought to myself, am I willing, am I that committed to the kingdom of God that I would prepare myself for this day to put myself at risk to be shot and killed with arrows by an unreached people group? I think that's a great question for all of us to ask is, what risk are you willing to take for the king? And the reason you and I can do that, like John Chow, is because our hope isn't based on this life. 
It's not based on an earthly kingdom. It's based on an everlasting kingdom that's going to keep on expanding. One, one church father said that the, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. So you think about Jesus who he brought his kingdom by dying on a cross and his people advanced his, the kingdom of God by giving up their lives sacrificially. They, they didn't love their lives unto death. They overcame the accuser of the brethren by the word of their testimony, blood of the lamb, and they didn't love their lives unto death. Are you committed to the kingdom of God to the point that you're willing to lay down your life? In closing an application, let me just hit on a few things. Um, prepare room in your heart for Christ by reflecting on who he is and why he came. My wife and I, for the past uh, seven years or so, we started celebrating Advent. Advent just simply means arrival or coming. Okay? Uh, I know a lot of like Catholic, Methodist, uh, Lutheran, Presbyterian, a lot of mainline denominations have celebrated Advent throughout uh, history. But I've found this to be a helpful thing to reflect on Jesus, who he is and why he came. Uh, it's so easy for my attention to get drawn away and find myself caught up in materialism, worshiping at the mall versus worshiping before the Lord, right? <laughs> it's so easy to get caught up in all the good things of the season and miss the main point, the main reason of the season. Enjoy the good things of the season. Enjoy gift giving and receiving. Of course, you gotta shop for gifts if you're gonna, you're gonna get it, right? Um, and enjoy good food. Enjoy family. But let your heart be turned back to the one who gives all those good gifts. Don't, don't dethrone him from your heart and say, I got what I need here. Prepare room for him. Do you have room in your house for Jesus? Do you have a, do you have a place for him? Have you cleaned it? Do you have a clean room for him? Prepare room in your heart. Prepare room in your heart by repenting of the darkness within you. Repenting of the darkness within you. Jesus is coming back. There is going to be a second advent. And this is a time for us to realign our hearts, prepare our hearts for him, the king. So when we see him, we don't shrink back in shame and be like, oh, I need to change this. I need, oh, I need to, I need to clean this room up. I need to clean my life up. Jesus is coming back for a bride who is without spot and without blemish. I was reading in Luke 12 this week and I was just reminded of the necessity to be prepared and ready for the second coming of Jesus because he's going to come at a time that you and I don't expect. Like a thief in the night comes at a time that you don't expect. He's coming back. And so let, whether you celebrate Advent or Christmas or not, prepare your heart during the season for his second return because he's coming back. Put your hope in Jesus, the Messiah and his eternal kingdom. Know that he's going to come back. He's going to establish his kingdom in its fullness. So prioritize the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Pray that the kingdom of God would expand. Let him have his way in you. And then let let that work in, into the lives of other people by you sharing with them the good news of the kingdom. And so with that, we're going to respond in, in worship and just declare this, these very verses that we were reading, that he shall reign forevermore. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords.
Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you that we have this season to be reminded of why Jesus came, what this means, who he is, what this means for us. And so I pray for City Church, Garland, that our hearts would be prepared to see the King of Kings in all His glory. That we would not push you out with all of our busyness. That we would not forsake you for the love of the gifts that you give. That our hearts would not be lulled into complacency and apathy during this season with the just the comforts of having nice things. That our hearts would be prepared. Ready. That we would be watching and waiting. That we would be a church that says, even so, come Lord Jesus, come. That we would be a people who love your appearing. Who do not shrink back in shame. A people who are abiding in you. So that when we see you, we have confidence that we be prepared.